The Athletic. Totally Football Show, European edition today. Bundesliga, Dortmund Bayern, big goals, big calls. Jude Bellingham going Judge Judy. Elsewhere, it's the end of March in December. Real Madrid romp clear. Rennes have force majeure. Come on breast, say Paris Saint-Germain, as the Bretons defeat their nearest rivals. And much, much more in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Hey everybody, what day is it today? I'll tell you, it's Tuesday. Actually, it's not, I'm lying. It's a podcast lie. It's actually Monday, but we're releasing this on Tuesday. So let's say Tuesday the 7th of December. Anyway, the key thing is we've got the gang here. Avro, James, Jules and Rafa, hello to you all. Hello. Hi guys. Hello. Mm, nice, loads of goals, eh? How about the Bundesliga? Cool. What was it, uh, Rafa, 41 goals? Yes, most of them coming in uh, Leverkusen against Greuther Fürth, 7-1. Yeah. But also 6-0 from Freiburg at Gladbach. Incredible, Crazy. James. Six yeah. in the first half, wasn't it? Crazy. First 37 minutes. 37 minutes. minutes. Mm. Amazing, amazing. We, we'll talk about those games and uh, others. There were loads of goals in, in uh, Serie A as well. A couple of games still to play as we record this. And some big stories on the way, as, uh, as I mentioned, from uh, Paris Saint-Germain. And La Liga as well. How about, Alvaro, you get things underway with a moment of the weekend with Paddy Power? Of course, the moment of the week uh, comes from a Madridista, a player who supports Real Madrid and belongs to Real Madrid. I'm talking about Takefusa Kubo, uh, who scored the winning goal of uh, Mallorca at Wanda Metropolitano. Ojo, Take Kubo, solo ante Oblak, para ganar el Mallorca. Kubo, 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 it was a big upset for Atletico de Madrid and a goal that proved to be very, very, very important when Real Madrid beat Real Sociedad at Anoeta. At the minute, Real Madrid is running away with the title. It's still too early, of course, but they lead the breakaway, certainly, and Kubo has played a part in that. Mm, and they're going to be facing Atletico next weekend in the derby. Crikey. All right, Jules, what about you? There's a few things, James, but maybe Brest winning away at Marseille because mm. they had no wins in their first 11 games of the season and now they've won six in a row in Ligue 1, Brest. Just incredible. And to go to Marseille being 1-0 down and coming back to win 2-1 with an extraordinary second goal on the counter-attack, especially, was pretty fantastic. So I'll go for, for Brest winning Marseille. You go for incredible Brest. Okay, Rafa. Well, James, you mentioned it in your intro, but Jude Bellingham's post-match interview on Norwegian television, as it happens, where he accused uh, Felix Fey, the referee, of um, well, of doing what he had done in the past, which is to take money uh, in relation to a game, referring to something in 2004, and saying, well... If you have a match-fixing referee in charge of the biggest game of the season, what do you expect? And uh, there's going to be a huge fallout from that, of course, after mm. the Bayern-Dortmund game, Dortmund-Bayern game. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and James Horncastle. <laughs> James, where to start with this weekend in Serie A? Because yeah, you mentioned the number of goals in the Bundesliga. I mean, it wasn't too dissimilar. Uh, in Is Italy. James even allowed to say anything because he doesn't make as much money as the other James? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start there then with Jose Mourinho's latest treble 
Uh, it wasn't the treble that he wanted or the one that he got with Inter in 2010, but in his first game against the club that still loves him so much, uh, he was 3-0 down mm. at half-time and didn't take too kindly to the one question he politely took uh, in the press conference afterwards. Which is why was his Roma so passive, to which he said? It's a difficult job. That's why I make more money than you. So that's that sorted. Brilliant. All right. Let's start our more in-depth look at some of those topics and others with the Bundesliga. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. If one leg of your 4 plus fold acker lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Max free bet £10, minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg. Online exclusive, no shop bets. T's and C's apply. Plus be gambler aware. Robert Lewandowski atmet durch Lewandowski. Tor! Kurbel noch dran. Levy mit dem Doppelback. Die Bayern mit dem 3 zu 2. Yes, Rafa, 41 goals this weekend. Exciting. Uh, Jesse Marsh got binned at RB Leipzig. Gladbach got beat 6-0 by Freiburg. Bayern won their top-of-the-table clash with Dortmund and Jude Bellingham causing that storm post-game. Let, let's start with Dortmund-Bayern, the game they call. Dortmund-Bayern, not anything else. Dortmund coming into this only a point behind Bayern and they went off to a cracking start in it as well. They did. They uh, they scored the, uh, the first goal, um, some... Really slack defending from Bayern. Julian Brandt, though, with a wonderful individual move and a great finish. And that seemed to provoke Bayern. And Bayern came back very, very strongly, as they often do. A mistake from Hummels, chased down by Müller, Lewandowski, 1-1. And later on, there was a real ding-dong. And Bayern ultimately won it with a Lewandowski penalty in, in very contentious circumstances. I think the penalty itself from a handball from right. Mats Hummels was actually pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. But it came after a very probable penalty shout for Dortmund, where Lucas Hernandez had sort of clattered into Marco Royce in the box. And at that time, uh, Felix Zweier refused to go over and have a look at the VR, saying, I don't need any more information. I saw it clearly enough. Unless there's a contact I missed, I'm not going to give a penalty here. But he did go and check for the Hummels handball. And I think that, that sort of procedural inconsistency, if you will, created a sense of injustice with Dortmund. And Marco Rosa was sent off at the scent. Had to be carried away. Had to be carried away, yeah. Was it him or the doppelganger who snuck in? Yeah. (laughs) That's another story. Um, A German comedian who looks a little bit like Marco Rosa had a bus Was it Max Rushton? No, had a bus painted um, like the Dortmund bus and they managed to go all the way till the stadium and, uh, until they were politely turned back. I mean, maybe not quite as funny as you remember what happened with a certain Dortmund bus a few right. years ago. But, um, yeah, Dortmund very unhappy. Erling Haaland accusing Zweier of arrogance and Jude Bellingham uh, bringing up Zweier's uh, previous misdemeanors. Uh, he did receive, although he denied it, but the German FA found an investigation that he did receive 300 euros mm-hmm. from the uh, infamous... Robert Heutzer, a referee who was actually sent to prison for fixing games in 2004. But the FA sort of covered that part of the story up and it was only made public in 2011 when Zweier was already a very good referee. And Bellingham, I'm not sure if he'd done the research himself, but clearly this is a topic that's being talked about. Should somebody who did this 
even though it was only 300 euros and even though he was only assistant coach at the time and there was no evidence that he actually did fix the game but he did take the money according to the German FA investigation should somebody like that be one of the leading referees in Germany and in the Champions League I think it's a reasonable question to ask right Jude Billiam's comment was you give a referee that has match fixed before the biggest game in Germany what do you expect with clear implications to that suggestions that he's going to be facing legal action for defamation for making those comments Rafa Two questions just off the bat. One, did you think it was a penalty on uh, on Marco Royce? I thought it was a penalty, hmm. and I thought that Zweier could have saved himself a lot of bother. First of all, I think with VAR, there is now an expectation from players that really contentious decisions will be looked at in detail. The referee knows this is a huge call. You have a monitor. Just go over and have a look, as he did with the, the Hummels one. And I think if you do it once and don't do it the other time, that leaves a bad taste in the, mouth, in the mouth. It also would have really helped them because at that point, VR could have actually said, you don't have to look at it because we looked at the build-up and Haaland's offside. So the whole controversy could have stopped within a few seconds rather than rumble on and create all these bad emotions and bad blood afterwards. So a real mistake, I think, um, from VR not to to show that to him. And and also, I think, a mistake by him to believe that there was no contact apart from a push because they did come together further below as well. And I think there is enough contact to, to give a penalty. So he should have really handled this a lot better. Mm. Secondly, uh, do you think that a referee who has accepted money in the course of a match-fixing uh, scandal should, whether they actually took any active part of it or not, should be officiating. I don't think he should be officiating. The question is, what do you do now, 10 years later, Hmm. 15 years, 17 years later? Do you say, because of what happened 17 years ago, you can no longer ref? No, but they've known about it since when? 2005, no? When he informed... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But we, the public only knew about this in 2011. Right. Even then it was sort of brushed under the carpet. I think it's really, really problematic. On the one hand, I'd like to give people the benefit of the doubt. I'd like to give them a second chance. You know, 300 euros is not a huge sum. I'm sure he... I don't think the sum is the the, the question. No, I know. I understand what you're saying, but I'd like to think that people can change and that he would have seen the error of his ways. And he is, I think, objectively a decent referee. But it also does create that problem when when players no longer have confidence in in his officiating then I think we're in a very difficult spot. So I think what Bellingham has said, at the very least now, creates a kind of scrutiny and discussion of this this question, which had should have been really addressed much earlier. Mm. So that was my question, Rav. Why is this now? Just because he made them, well, he had a tough game, because he's, he's refereed big games before, and that never came that never came up before what Bellingham said. No one, no one said anything, or what was it? I've never seen anyone discuss it uh, publicly. I mean, ironically enough, he he made even a more high-profile decision in the FA Cup final against Bayern when he looked over to the VR and, and refused to give a penalty for Bayern that would have taken the game into into extra time. Sorry, it was already an extra time, I think. Anyway, um, it went against Bayern that time. I don't think anyone's ever made the connection or discussed this, but clearly Dortmund felt so aggrieved 
and they must have known about this or Bellingham must have known about this from maybe other players or from club officials that they go they they went there effectively they went mm. but others didn't want to go and that might be explainable in terms of the emotions and maybe you know going a little bit too far in the heat of the moment but I still think the question is is relevant James that you've asked should somebody like that be in charge even though in nearly 200 Bundesliga games and countless Champions League games he's actually been a decent referee mm. well, one of the curious things is the fact that the DFB actually as you say didn't release the information about this they just kind of buried it all for several years until eventually I think it was a was it a magazine that that uh, yes uncover these anyway uh, that's the situation with that we should mention Erling Haaland's goal at the start of the second half which was an amazing a, goal mm. and uh, yes with his, but with uh, his weaker foot really does he have one of those like Fred <laughs> <laughs> anyway lovely leaves, kid Fred <laughs> lovely. It, leave, it leaves uh, Bayern Munich four points clear now on top of the Bundesliga Dortmund in second Leverkusen are in third place after their 7-1 over bottom of the table at Furt. Patrick Schick with four of the seven goals. Furt have now conceded 17 goals in their last three. They have picked up one point so far this season. One in 14 matches. Crikey. Freiburg, meantime, are fourth after their record win. That's 6-0 over Mönchengladbach. Uh, The first away team in Bundesliga history to score five goals in the first 25 minutes of a game. Uh, amazing stuff, Rafa. Amazing stuff because, I mean, Gladbach have been inconsistent under Adi Hütter, who's uh, come, and, come in and taken over at the start of the campaign. But we haven't seen them concede that many goals and be so abjectly poor when it comes to defending corners and really sort of basic attacking situations. I mean, Freiburg are a decent side. They get great results. They're very hard to play against, but they don't score tend to score a lot of goals. They don't tend to create a lot of opportunities. But against a, a Gladbach side that just weren't quite there, they took them apart. And I think Gladbach find it hard to explain. The only thing that might be a slight consolation is they know what it feels like in a way because their 5-0 win over Bayern in the German FA Cup, if you remember, followed this very similar kind of trajectory. They score and score and score and the opposition just don't understand what's going on. And then if four or five or six nil down in their case and the game's over um, yeah I'm not sure there is a good explanation for it only two goals this weekend for Union Berlin but it was enough to end uh, Jesse Marsh's Union with uh, RB Leipzig the American fired after that defeat their third in a row he wasn't even present for it poor chap he, he was off with the Covid uh, didn't win any away games all season they're down in 11th place it, it, that was coming Rafa. It was coming and as Oliver Minsloff, the CEO, revealed Jesse Marsh himself had wondered whether he is actually the right manager for this team, had gone to Minsloff after match day seven and match day ten, according to him, and, and discussed it and, and, and talked over uh, talked about his doubts. And there was always a sense of a slight mismatch between Jesse Marsh's very sort of back to the roots, very vertical, high pressing Lassismo. Um, really, really quick Red Bull redux type football. And a team that had progressed under Nagelsmann and had added more elements of possession, more variety, um, a slower approach, better quality like, like most teams have. They tend to keep the ball better in the final third rather than just go bang, 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 trying to look for the killer pass all the time and then lose it. 
And I think because of that, Jesse Marsh never quite had the the buy-in, the full conviction from the players and the team that this was the best way to play with this team. I think the team and the squad didn't really lend itself to that kind of style. But he he wanted it, he persisted with it, then he changed it at times, then he changed it back. Ultimately, I think both the club and the team lost belief in him and just thought he wasn't quite quite able to do his job properly. I mean, no... No suggestion that he is not a great motivator, that he's not a really nice man and, and really pleasant to work with. But I think the footballing substance and his ideas just didn't fit what, mm. what, what Leipzig needed and, and, and wanted at that point. OK. He presumably returns to the Wichita State Shockers. Uh, who will be coming in, uh, do you think, at uh, RB Leipzig? Uh, we don't know yet. There was talk of Roger Schmidt, who's now at PSV, who, of course, is a former alum- alumni of the uh, Red Bulls school. He was at uh, Salzburg when Sadio Mane was a player there. But Schmidt is at PSV and I think it's unlikely that he will leave halfway through the season. There is talk of Domenico Tedesco, who, despite his failings with Schalke and uh, a slightly obscure stint in in Russia, where he did reasonably well, uh, might be in the mix. I think he's the out-of-job coach in Germany that will probably have the most offers coming in. Hmm. and Leipzig could be one of them. Uh, they also need a new sporting director as well, so lots of lots of new faces arriving soon, right. hopefully, for them. You must be running short of managers in, in the Bundesliga, no? Because they're all in the, the Premier League these days. <laughs> Not all of them. That's true. Anyway, thanks very much for that roundup of the Bundesliga. Next up, let's hit Italy. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Serie A, a high-scoring round here as well. 32 goals with two matches still to play. Coming up this Monday evening, so far some remarkable results. You had Venezia going 3-0 up in the derby of the Veneto, but ending up losing 4-3 against Verona. Fiorentina winning their derby of the Apennines with Bologna 3-2. Inter in their first meeting with Mourinho since the treble, winning 3-0 in Rome. And in Naples, Saturday evening, league leaders Napoli beaten 3-2 by Atalanta. What a game this was, James. Yeah, another game of the season featuring Atalanta. I think if you were to draw up a list of five, three of them would uh, have Gasparini's team in it. Gasparini, who has extended what, what his contract, the other two? incidentally. Well, Atalanta-Inter, that was mm. a great game. Atalanta-Milan, another great game. So there you go. Go check them out if you want. Um, but uh, Atalanta in the title race at this moment in time, even though Gasparini doth protest and says, look, I will not... Uh, mentioned the word Scudetto until we are top 
of the league. In my time in charge, we've never been top. So in that case, I do not see us as a title contender. However, five wins in a row and they're getting all of their injured players back. Um, so they have been able to weather a storm of injuries at a time when, let's say, their rivals for top four um, have been maybe not fully fit, but certainly having more of their full strength 11 available to them. Um, they haven't had that. They're now getting those players back just as their uh, rivals like Milan, for example, have lost Simon Kier for the season. Um, Napoli have been without Osimhen, without Koulibaly, without Anguissa um, and Fabian Ruiz. Um, so a lot of optimism uh, around Bergamo going into this week's uh, big Champions League game against Villarreal to see if they can get into the round of 16 for the third straight year. Um, but what a game this was. I mean, I personally thought Atlanta should have been more than 1-0 up um, before Napoli came back into the game and got themselves in front 2-1 uh, with yet more goals from Zielinski uh, and Mertens. I think that's been the story of the last few weeks at Napoli is that they haven't really missed Ossiman. Uh, they've missed uh, Koulibaly um, at the back. They've missed the guys who can keep the ball in midfield as well. Um, and once Lobotka, Stanislav Lobotka, who sounds like a Bond villain, um, went off after about an hour that's really when uh, Atlanta went up another level and uh, and won this game. So we have a four-horse race, James, mm -hmm. for, for the title um, in Serie A with, as I mentioned on, on Galazzo Live on Sunday, four coaches for whom this is uncharted territory. They've never won the league. Stefano Pioli, Simone Inzaghi, Luciano Spalletti. Spalletti has won the league in Russia, but not in Italy. Uh, and of course, Gasparini. So exciting stuff. Absolutely. All right. Atlanta four points off the top in fourth place. Napoli dropping down to third after picking up uh, one point from their last two games. You mentioned the series of injuries they've had. They've got Leicester on Thursday. Leicester, who are top of their Europa League group. If you're keeping track of exciting Europa League regulations, you'll know that if you finish second in the group, you have to go into a playoff if you want to make the last 16. Crikey. <laughs> Yeah, crikey indeed, James. I mean, uh, this has been a, a great group um, because I think anyone uh, of the four teams in it, Spartak, Legia, uh, Warsaw, Napoli and Leicester, they can all go through um, in this in this final, final round. I think there's only, what, a point or two separating first and fourth. But I think one of the things that Leicester can look at, maybe one of the things that Napoli can look at is, is these teams at the moment are conceding goals. You know, Leicester from set pieces, um, Napoli because um, of, the, of, of the injuries that they've been suffering, which have affected the stability of the team. So, um, yeah, that should be a fantastic game on Thursday. Absolutely. Similar situation for Spurs with Rouse. We'll hear about them a little bit later on, perhaps. Meanwhile, Milan have gone top of the table after beating Salernitana and Inter were down in Rome. And, well, an embarrassing performance from Roma, you called this, but pretty spectacular from Inter. And the great news for them, it was all the guys they brought in to replace the big names that had left that did the scoring here. Yeah, um, I think also uh, Alessandro Bastoni, the, the left-sided centre-back, uh, another outstanding performance from him. He was involved in a couple of the goals. One, um, Dzeko's, uh, there were 19 passes, uh, I think, in, in the build-up to it. Um, and then Dumfries is diving header at the far post. That was from a cross uh, from, from Bastoni, which I think any playmaker uh, would be proud of. Um, you know, the goal that's been spoken about most on social media, I think this was the trend in Serie this weekend, was Hakan Chalanolu's goal from a corner kick directly, surprising Rui Patricio. 
um, at the near post, but I just think it goes to show how underprepared Roma were, how casual um, they were going it's into easy this for game. <laughs> it is very easy for me to say, um, but uh, you know, Mourinho, as much as he says this is a hard job and that's why I get paid a lot of money for it, he's making this job look especially hard, and you can question why he is paid um, so well um, to be what eight points behind. Uh, where Roma were at this stage last year, mm. um, a team that uh, made the most expensive acquisition uh, in Serie A in the summer, that outspent everybody else. And for all those people on Twitter who say, um, yes, it was a massive rebuild, um, hang on a minute, Roma got to a Europa League semi-final last year. They put out uh, Ajax, that was without uh, Tammy Abraham coming into the team. Yeah, they were fourth uh, and they were in the top four from August until March, which is when Jordan Veritu and Henrik Mkhitaryan, two of Roma's best players, got injured simultaneously, and that's when they fell away. Also, there was all those doubts around uh, the lack of confidence in, in Paolo Fonseca, which I think undermined him, um, which played a part as well, because it was quite clear uh, that the Friedkins, the owners of Roma, wanted to go in a different direction um, in the summer. Um, and Mourinho has uh, done nothing um, to really suggest that uh, Roma... Uh, have improved, um, I would say, as much as their sporting director, Thiago Pinto, keeps saying that, look, um, we don't just look at results, we look at how the players are developing. Mm. Um, well, hang on a minute, you've lost eight games, including losing 6-1 to Bodo Glimt, these big games that apparently Fonseca did really poorly in. Uh, well, what's Mourinho's record in them? Um, you've lost the derby to Lazio, um, you've lost to Inter, you were 3-0 down at half-time. Uh, I think the last time um, Inter scored three in the first half against Roma, James, you were there. It was that crazy 5-4 game, the, the one with Zenic Zeman and Roy Hodgson and Ronaldo Baggio and Zamorano up front for Inter. Uh, they lost uh, to Milan. So, you know, uh, I'm, I'm still waiting uh, for, the, for the improvement uh, to come under Jose. I'm reluctant to, to, to write him off, say he's finished, and Bolito, like a number of other people have, because you can see, you know, in the right club at the right environment, yeah, you know, David Moyes can all of a sudden resurrect himself right. um, at, at West Ham. However, you know, there's no way uh, Roma's owners make this appointment and spend this kind of money to finish outside the top four again. Okay, so with Gazetta, for example, yet yesterday, describing him or comparing him to like Borg when Borg made his comeback in Monte Carlo and was a, a shadow, that, that's kind of the figure that Mourinho represents for them now, this kind of shambling relic, this shadow of his, of his former greatness. How long, how long do you think he has? How, what would it take for the Freakins to go, yeah, we made a mistake here? I think it's difficult to anticipate a change in, in the short term. I think they're uh, all in on Jesse Mourinho. Uh, that was certainly um, the noise that uh, the sporting director, Thiago Pinto, was making. Um, look, um, you know, we think we can strengthen the team in January. What does that uh, anticipate? I would say more signings. Um, but I think tellingly, Pinto said, we also expect um, the existing staff of players um, to be improved as well. And ultimately that comes down to the work that is done on the training pitch. I mm. don't think um, uh, Mourinho uh, will be sacked. I think there's, he's still got uh, a lot of patience, I would say, on, on the... Uh, on the behalf of the Friedkins, um, who've really kind of, yeah, this is their first real appointment um, as, as as owners. And uh, I think one of the things in uh, one of the things we ha we have to also point out uh, is, yeah, look, Roma have got a number of injuries, 
at the moment um, to yeah, Tammy, for example, suspended. Spinazzola is still out. Uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini, their best player this season, was injured as well. So there are some mitigating circumstances. However, Spezia were not 3-0 down at half-time to Inter. Venezia were not 3-0 down at half-time to Inter. Um, so do better. Wow. Roma dropped to seventh place. They're eight points off the Champions League positions now. Fiorentina move above them, as do Juventus, who scored, uh, you mentioned it being the trend of the weekend, from the corner flag themselves, or from the corner themselves to open open up uh, their game with Genoa on Sunday night. 2-0, that one finished. Quick note on Fiorentina, who are now fifth, uh, reports that Jonathan Icone will be joining them in January from Lille. Is that right, Jules? I believe so, yeah. But certainly very advanced, yeah. Okay. Excellent. I think it's a decent price for him. It's a good move. As he said, like a, it's, it's a step up, but it's not going straight to a top, top club. And they're certainly, I think, making progress too. It would be a shame that they lose Vlaovic or someone because I think him and Vlaovic could have linked up really well. But they would replace him with someone else. But yeah, I think it's a, it's a clever move. Hmm. James. I've just got an incredible PR email, uh, oh. which I wouldn't usually read out, but I think um, it touches on a theme of Serie A of, uh, of recent weeks. Sylvester Stallone's original handwritten Rocky script pages sold for $437,500, and Rocky Three boxing trunks sold for $200,000. Right, that's more like it, yeah. And do you think it so might Giovanni be? Simeone scored again exactly. um, in this incredible comeback uh, where Verona were 3-0 down and 1-4-3. He got a brace and the winner was another sensational um, sensational goal from outside the box. Remember, he scored like 300 goals from 0.02 xG. How this keeps happening, we, we don't know. But we do know that he watches a Rocky film before every game. And right. so maybe he is the person behind... The acquisitions of this uh, this rocky script and these and rocky the shorts. trunks and, and the, the shorts and the yeah. trunks, yeah. yeah, without doubt, James. Uh, very good. Well, that's quite a bumper city. Our roundup. Next up, let's hear about match day six in the Champions League. It's the Paddy Power Football Supporters Support Line. We're talking to Burnley fan Graham. What's up, Graham? Oh, it's Christmas, Paddy. Uh, not a Grinch, are you, Graham? Oh, I love all the midweek fixtures, the quick turnaround between games. So why so glum? Well, it's the work Christmas party, the five-a-side drinks, schoolmates, dinner. Makes it very hard to watch all the football. The Premier League is non-stop this December, so make the most of it with Paddy Power's Bet Builder offer. Get money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Paddy Power. Pre-match online bet builder bets only. Min odds one to five per leg. Min four plus legs. Max free bet ten pounds per day. Excludes enhanced match odds. Season season apply. Eighteen plus. Be gamble aware. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. That's right, listener. We're all excited because it's match day six in the Champions League. We'll miss the group stages, but before they depart, they'll give us some pretty special matches on Tuesday and Wednesday. Four Premier League sides are already through, of course, to the last 16, as are Paris Saint-Germain, Bayern Munich, Ajax, Sporting, Real Madrid, Juventus and Inter. Five places are still up for grabs, with 11 clubs battling for them. Amongst those 11 clubs, you've got your Benficas, your Barca's, Atletico Madrid, Porto and Milan, and all of Group G, remarkably enough. Group G, which is Lille, Salzburg, Sevilla and Wolfsburg, just three points between them. It's the first time in 12 years that all four teams from one single group have still been able to qualify on match day six. So that's pretty exciting then, eh? Jules, are you excited about that? Mm. Yeah, very excited. Um, I think the, the biggest excitement has to be Barcelona, Benfica. And oh, the all right, then we'll group. come on to that. 
But even okay. for Lille, you know, they they finally won a league game at the weekend, which was really good for them, uh, what, two in a row. Uh, and and now they're just hoping that if they don't lose, they go through anyway. But ideally, to top the group would be even better for them. So yeah, they have a lot of momentum going into that game in Wolfsburg. All right. I am excited, yes, but I am scared as well because uh, five Spanish clubs could be out of Europe in <sighs> what? Well, not necessarily Europe, yeah. but uh, four out be, of the yeah. Champions League, one out of right. the Europa League in the space of three days. I'm talking about Real Sociedad and uh, yeah. the four Spanish clubs that are not qualified. Wow. Well, Jules mentions Barcelona. We're going to find out on Wednesday if they can make it to the knockout stages or miss out for the first time in two decades. They're in a group with Bayern Munich who are already through. Barcelona is second, but they have Benfica two points behind. Now, Benfica hosts Dinamo Kiev at home. Dinamo Kiev have got 1.1 goals so far. If Benfica win that game, Barcelona will need to win at Bayern. The bad news is, Alvaro, they come into this game having just had their first defeat under Xavi Hernandez. <sighs> they lost, and uh, I believe that Real Betis show that they've got as much quality as Barcelona or even more up front, which is very concerning. At this stage, Barcelona is a team that uh, is very dysfunctional. I mean, the best players, they are not showing their best level. Uh, not the goalkeeper, neither the centre-backs, uh, neither the strikers. Then they rely on a player who has been almost by by nature <laughs> very inconsistent as well because he picks many injuries Dembélé but every time he's on the pitch he is the only one making something substantial for Barcelona up front and uh, then the responsibility relies on uh, two or three uh, guys who are very young Nico uh, Gavi even Araujo uh, who actually should be just a experiencing their learning curve and uh, they are basically holding the team together so it is a very tricky situation for Barcelona you meant Xavi before mm. as um, a man who was present in the last time Barcelona was kicked out from Champions League in the group stage I remember very well that Xavi because he was 20 or 21 years old and he was suffering from the same problems as Nico or Gavi or Pedri are suffering basically They've got a hell of a responsibility because the veteran players are not delivering. And uh, one of them, probably he showcases everything better than anybody else, is Philippe Coutinho. He's been in the club for three and a half years, four years now. And the other day he looked uh, a player who is not mental either. He's not capable of uh, dribbling past somebody and run. He's not capable of uh, doing progressive passes. He's not capable of uh, showing at least the 10% of what he was uh, at Liverpool. So yeah, it's a tricky game for Barcelona, this one coming against um, against Bayern, because I think that as soon as Bayern scores a goal, as soon as something that um, goes against Barcelona happens, I don't think that Barcelona has the strength to recover from any any tiny little setback. Uh, we saw that against Betis, and uh, I believe against Bayern the same thing can happen. Xavi needs to get back to his roots and remember what he said when he became coach of Barcelona, which is, we believe that the best way to win is by playing well. So play well, Barcelona, and everything will be okay. <laughs> Honestly, James, I think that they, they made a caricature of Xavi many times for that reason, because he, mm -hmm. he refers to playing well a lot, too much. He, right. In all fairness, he also said uh, after beating Villarreal that Barcelona didn't deserve to win. So I think that he goes with his logic until the end. I also believe that for Barcelona to win, there is only one way, which is playing well. I don't think that they've got the players to play ugly and win games. 
Mm. They don't have those individualities right now. Really, seriously. Uh, no one is making a big difference in there. So if the team together doesn't play very well, and I'm not saying beautiful, because playing beautiful and playing well is a very different thing, but if the team doesn't defend well and they don't score their goals, they are going to be out of the Champions League because I find it very difficult that Benfica doesn't beat Dinamo Kiev, especially considering that Benfica, they'll be angry as well because uh, they could have beaten Barcelona at Camp Nou, Seferovic missed a sitter, mm. and uh, Benfica lost in the weekend as, as well against Sporting Lisbon, so they'll be ready to win at home. Yeah, 3-1 defeat against uh, Sporting in the derby on, on Friday. Crikey. Well, you say you're worried for Barcelona. You're worried for Real Sociedad. Yeah. What, what, what are your thoughts on Sevilla, who take on Salzburg, and Villarreal, who are up against Atalanta? An Atletico, even. Atletico oh, and Atletico. Out of the Champions well, let's come on to, well. Yeah, they're a, that's a slightly more complicated one. Let's start with Villarreal, though. They're in Man United's group. It's Villarreal or Atlanta who are going to be going through alongside Man United. And handily, they face each other in Bergamo. I think that Villarreal uh, and Sevilla luckily depend on what they are doing. If Villarreal matches the scoreline, sorry, if they get a draw against Atalanta, mm. they'll be through, uh, which right. is very reassuring for them. Gerard Moreno is back for the game, even though if you see what he missed against Sevilla, you may think that he may not be re- quite ready for a game of this quality yet. Right, so we heard what Atlanta did before at the weekend, not shot their fifth win in a row away in Naples. Villarreal, meantime, lost their third game in a row. This is the worst run of Unai Emery as a Villarreal manager. And I don't think that what happened with Newcastle and the rumours, uh, that we all know that Unai Emery was contacted and he pondered moving to Newcastle in the middle of the season. I don't think that this uh, has been um, so impactful on uh, Villarreal. I believe that uh, Villarreal owner uh, and Unai Emery, if anything, they uh, strengthened their, their bond after this because they spoke very clearly. Uh, Unai Emery said or he was transparent to Villarreal president, owner, and uh, I don't think that this had an impact. I think it's more the fact that uh, the team is not getting the results. Uh, Villarreal is not capable of scoring many goals. Then in defense, uh, they have been leaky at times. Against teams like Sevilla, they are outplayed and physically they are also uh, outplayed and outmuscled. And uh, they have had a difficult calendar. I'm not saying no to that. The championship group is not easy for them because Atalanta and Manchester United at the end of the day, they're strong European forces right now. Uh, and the best possible thing for Villarreal is that they depend on their own results. In results in the Champions League right now, if they draw against Atalanta, they are through. But, as I said before, uh, they are not scoring many goals. And Gerard Moreno, who has been sustaining many muscular injuries during this season, is a capital player for Villarreal, but he's not 100%. Last season, he scored, I think, that over 28 goals in all competitions, maybe over 30. And, uh, you know, he hasn't been there this season. So this had a fatal impact on Villarreal. Mm, crikey. All right. Now, uh, Atletico Madrid are also in some doubt. They're in Group B, which is going to be settled on Tuesday. You've got a Liverpool already through as group winners. Then Porto, Milan and Atletico Madrid. Milan, to go through, have to beat Liverpool, who have said that they're going to be rotating players, fielding a, a weakened side. But not only do they have to beat Liverpool, they have to hope that Porto and Atletico only draw. Any other result is going to see whoever wins that reach the last 16 alongside Liverpool. Crikey. Well, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? It is. And uh, I believe that uh, Porto 
it's uh, suddenly in the position they would have uh, wished uh, when they when they drew uh, when the Champions League draw happened. Uh, number one, I think that this uh, group uh, showcases the outstanding level of the Premier League Big Three right now because Liverpool has qualified with uh, games to go in one of the most difficult Champions League groups. Uh, and number two, Atletico de Madrid, they are suffering in Europe. Not only La Liga, they lost this weekend to Mallorca, they are very far away from Real Madrid um, in La Liga, but also in the Champions League. Uh, this season, they have only beaten Milan, and we know how they beat Milan. Uh, Milan was reduced to 10 men. Uh, then they drew with Porto at home, but uh, they cancelled a very stupid goal to Porto that, in my opinion, should have gone to Porto. So I believe that Atletico are... Definitely for the for how bad they have been this season, mm -hmm. they are in a decent position because they depend on themselves. But at the same time, how reliable is it uh, this Atletico de Madrid? The individualities, especially in defense, they are not making the difference. I think that not having Jimenez and Savic for this game is going to uh, be something very difficult to compensate for Simeone. Probably Condogbia will have to play as a center back. And yeah, the game against Porto is difficult. Let's don't forget that this Porto they haven't lost a domestic league game uh, since the 30th of October last year. So yeah, this is going to be difficult, but at the same time, the best for, thing for Atletico de Madrid, considering they've got only four points, is the fact that they depend on themselves. If they win, they are through. Okay. Just to finish off on a, on a Liga note, they've got a huge game coming up afterwards. Uh, the derby against uh, Real Madrid, who in the last eight days or so have romped clear, if you like, at the top of La Liga. There was only one point between them, Real Sociedad and Sevilla about a week ago. Now, having beaten Sevilla last weekend... They did Real Sociedad 2-0 this time. The bad news is that Benzema came limping off. Yeah. How bad is the injury there? It looks like he could not be ready for the Madrid derby, mm. but Real Madrid is working on that. Uh, he will certainly miss the, the game against Inter. And uh, the good thing is that Luka Jovic uh, stepped up a little bit in Benzema's absence. I know uh, he hasn't been great for Real Madrid, but at least he set up a goal for Vinicius the other day and he scored another one. But yeah, it's a hell of an absence for Real Madrid because Benzema has been by far the most important player in, in Real Madrid this season, altogether with Vinicius, as I always say. Jules, how did Kareem take not winning the Ballon d'Or? It was actually quite well. He's already focused on winning it next year. So you see, that's, that's what big players do, you know, it's like... But the big question still, still got the dream. The dream is alive. The dream is alive. The big thing is, will the World Cup count next year? We don't know yet when the vote will have to be uh, cast, casted. Oh, that's a good point. Because yeah. usually it's at the end of October, which will be before the World yeah. Cup. So it will count a lot if the World Cup is, in, is involved in the votes or not. Yeah. It's never too early to start thinking about another Ballon d'Or, I think. You see, especially <laughs> if you're in Uzbekistan or in Togo or in Bhutan. Exactly, exactly. Now, uh, crikey, there you go. Real Madrid, eight points clear, and they face a Champions League game with Inter to determine who wins that group. Next up, I want to know about Ligue 1. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And with Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite according to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. And that's got to be good news for all you Man United fans out there, eh? Free match bet builders only. Get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum four plus legs. Max free bet £10. Excludes enhanced match shots. T's and C's apply. It's over 18s only. And please gamble responsibly. League 1, Jules. Another, another big week in the big league. Last weekend, inspired by the news that their manager, Maurizio Pochettino, was staying, the Parisian super team Paris Saint-Germain, with a Ballon d'Or playing for them, hosted Nice and drew 0-0. Well, it can happen. This weekend, anyway, the most expensively assembled side in the history of football went to Laws and uh, drew 1-1. Uh, Mbappe left on the bench by Pochettino. Some suggestions that was related to an interview that he gave with Thierry Henry in which he seemed to confirm he'd be leaving on a free for Real Madrid in the summer. Anyway, Poch brought no, him on during the, the game. Hmm? That, that's not what he said at all. Is it not what he said? No. What did he say? He said that he basically hadn't decided yet. That he could oh. be staying and or leaving. That, but was he winking? I don't think so. Okay, no, I didn't see typical didn't see British media, as no, exemplified I, I got by that James from, Richardson. I, there. I got that from French media, actually. Ah, yeah, no, yeah. I didn't, sources well, no, in the I French media. Jump on me. Right. But no, I think he was just he played a lot, and I don't think he was fully fit. But he changed the well, certainly changed the game. He made a big impact when he came right. on. Right. So yeah, Lance had taken the lead. He came on and set up Virginia Wijnaldum for the for Paris Saint Germain stoppage time equaliser yet again. Paris Saint Germain yeah. coming from behind. Ray, they do that more than any other team in the top five leagues in Europe. That's right, but. It was pretty embarrassing, I have to say, watching the game. Uh, they were so bad, but really, really bad. Like, Lens are a really good team, and we've said that many times on the show. We've praised them and their young manager because they're really good. And they always play the same, same formation, same style, with the intensity, everything you want, same players. And it looked like Pochettino and PSG just didn't know really what they were going to face. They changed five times their tactical formation, if you want. Variety played six different positions. I mean, this is this is amateur stuff. This is like a you know lower league team in the FA Cup or something. I, I was I was I really despaired watching that game. And then yeah, when Adam scored, I, I actually would have rather them losing. Maybe that would have done some sort of thing psychologically to the squad. Right. Instead, it's another point where you go, well, yeah, they, they 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 should be much better than that, but they're not. Hey, yeah, but they didn't lose. Oh, okay, move on to the next game. And then Bruges will be the same on Tuesday. And then I just I don't know this. This is really bad. This is a real shambles. Uh, Alvaro was saying that Unai Emery's aborted move to Newcastle hasn't had any impact on on what's going on at Villarreal. Do you think that Pochettino mentally did leave for Man United, and now he and the club are kind of well, he's kind of stuck where he is. I think so. They're, he's saying no. His people are saying no. People at the club are saying no. I mean, we saw Leonardo, which is pretty amazing on Sunday nights. Clearly watching Italian TV, texting uh, <laughs> yes. Sky to say, "Hey, what are you saying about Donnarumma and and, uh, and Navas?" And that was amazing. The, the show. that was amazing. I mean, obviously, he used to be on that show, and with his wife, he knows them really well. But you can just imagine doing a show and criticizing some someone. Or not even they were not criticizing; they were just debating the Donnarumma and Navas of um, rotation com- competition, whatever you want to call it. 
and for him just to text and say, hey, this is not true. Everything you say, you know, I'm just like, oh my God. Which was another the layer of embarrassment. <laughs> Everybody's happy. Everything is great. I do think personally that he's, he's switched up. I mean, how unprepared he was for that game against Lance was beyond me, really. Uh, and, and again, we go back to the same thing that we've been saying all season. They just don't play well. They're not good collectively. This is the big paradox. Is this is the most talented squad they've ever had at the club, ever. Even, even the great years in the 90s, ever. And yet this is the worst they've been playing as a team since the Qataris took over 10 years ago. And I just think it's not just Pochettino's fault. I think a lot of the players are below expectations, below their level. Messi being the first one is clearly struggling to adapt to the new life and the new club or everything. I just don't think Pochettino is helping because there's, there's really nothing he's, that he's doing that is, is good. Now, mm. now that Neymar is not there, who is the player who is going to step up and say, you know, I don't deserve to be on the bench? Draxler, Di Maria, who is going to do that? It would be Di Maria. I mean, this is the easiest. I would have loved Pochettino to say, this is the opportunity I have now that Neymar is out for two months or maybe, maybe more, that we can find more balance, we can try something different, go with two up front, I don't know, do anything you want, put Messi be more central and I don't know and instead it's been really like it's been a shambles uh, and even more tactically in the last two games the two games that you mentioned James, Nice and and, and Lance Lons. and the only reason why the 11 points clear is because they've won games purely on Mbappe's talent on his own and certainly not collectively and the others keep dropping points we saw Marseille we saw Nice again we saw Rennes last week and and that's the reason why they're 11 points clear. They don't deserve to be 11 points clear. And, and I just wish that the other big teams are be, be more consistent to Crikey. push behind because it looks like they're cruising in the league, but they're, just, they're, not, they're not good. We're at a point where PSG fans would prefer their side to lose because they're so unhappy with the manager. Can you imagine what that's like, James Horncastle? <laughs> now, now. Jills, I've got, I, I've got a league question. Mm. Am I okay to ask it, Jimbo? Yeah, please. Um, ass, um, nominative determinism here. Ass at bottom of the league. Uh, Claude Puel, he's gone. He's gone. It looks like Genoa's owners are interested in buying Saint-Étienne, so it's almost like they yeah. want two clubs that That's, are going down. Yeah, I know, two bottom clubs. <laughs> Maybe they've got something with bottoms and, you know, uh, going down to go back up again after, I don't know, but Saint-Étienne being Saint-Étienne, one of the, most, the biggest clubs in France, but Puel with all his stubbornness and, and all the rest, has taken this, this club has Does he have down. a nickname, Jules? Like Pep Genesio? No? no, not yet. I don't think so. Pep Genesio, by the way, who gave an interview to SoFoot in France saying, I hope uh, they're not calling Pep Guardiola Bruno. No, don't worry, Pep. Uh, the, the, the fake Pep. There's no, there's no chance Aww. for that. That's a, nice, that's a nice little take on things, I think. Anyway, think? Saint-Étienne... Well, Saint-Etienne are shambles as well. Like PSG, right. they're not much better than them, to be well, fair. They got, PSG struggled to They're considerably there. worse than PSG, uh, Jules. Well, Bottom of the sure. table. They got beaten 5-0 by Rennes uh, this weekend. Martin Terrier. I wonder if he has a nickname. With the hat trick. Martin Terrier. Avant mettre Martin Terrier. Du bras au pied. Wouah Wouah Le but de Clapeau pour Martin Terrier. Le but exceptionnel. But Jules, what, what about their Croatian midfielder, the new Modric? They're calling him somewhere. Uh, Lover yeah. Majeur. Majeur or Meyer. Even himself saying, like, you can say both. So I think in France they say both. 
amazing talent, left-footed, which obviously Modric is right-footed. But apart from that, he's got the same elegance, the same technical ability. I mean, he's not at that level yet. He's only 23 years old. But yeah, very a lot of similarities. Same wispy blonde hair. Yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah kind yeah. of. Um, but and obviously Croatian too, um, yeah. which helps to be the new Modric. But I mean, Satitian again a terrible. So it was easy for him and for Terrier and for all the others to to bounce back after the, the bad result they had the game before against Lille to to win this one comfortably, going back to second place as well where they belong because they've been so good. Yeah. And then they travel to to Spurs on Thursday, which should be a really good one. For so them. they've already already qualified they're already yeah. confirmed in first place will the likes of Majeur uh, or Mayur and Terrier be playing uh, at Tottenham I, I think I think they see that game really as a as a big you know big game big test even for their own like sort of standing and standards in Europe if you can go away to, to London and Spurs and, and beat them for example this is huge for you also in terms of confidence and momentum so I doubt they will send the kids although as we saw with with one of them they've got really good kids from the academy which was one of the best academies in France. But I mm. think they will go really seriously there and try to make a statement. All right. Not quite sure what Spurs will be trying to do in that game. If they win, they finish second, which means they'll go into a playoff with a third-place team from the Europa League, potentially Celtic. And that's just to stay in the Conference League. Yeah. Not sure how much of a motivation that is. Spurs currently second, level on points with Vitesse Arnhem. All right. One last thing from Ligue 1, and it's Marseille playing with Brest. This was... Saturday, and a 2-1 victory for the Bretons against the side that we did think maybe were going to be PSG's potential rivals a little bit. Uh, but uh, Brest, the only team in Ligue 1 to score in every match. Jules? Yeah, incredible uh, for them. As we said, that quiz question you know, last week on last week, so not many clubs in Europe in the big five leagues have, have done that. Liverpool almost didn't do as well as Brest mm. for that Origi goal, for example, Bayern... Bayern, especially in big games. But yeah, so amazing for them, considering, again, no wins in their first 11 Liga matches and now 16-6, which is obviously the best uh, run of results that we've had in the league. Uh, the best like sort of winning, winning run, if you want. They're great to watch. They've got Romain Fevre, who almost went to Milan, or tried to force a move to Milan. Still gives interviews that. talking about Milan. That's I know, and, and, and he's still hoping. And he's been really good for them, so he's still hoping like, hey... You know, if you still want a left-footed uh, attacking creative midfielder, I'm still here. Um, but yeah, they've been they've been they've been really good with Michel Dazakayan, the manager. So good on really good on them. And that was a big win for them to go and go to Marseille like this and, and win when you see, for example, Lyon struggling at Bordeaux and should have lost that game in the dying seconds instead of just getting a point and Peter Bosch under so much pressure still. Um, nice drawing again, so all those big clubs. I'm struggling when Brest keep keep climbing up the table. James, uh, late breaking news on the Italian front: Sampdoria's owner Massimo Ferrero has uh, been pinched. Yeah, reports that he's been arrested, but uh, nothing to do with Sampdoria. Mm. Uh, what apparently? For? Um, I think it's allegedly to do with some of his business affairs. I see. Um, so, uh, and it's obviously a big week. For Samp, because they play the Derby della Lanterna on Friday against Genoa. Um, Samp, in some relegation trouble of their own, they are currently out of the bottom three, but only, uh, I think, by five points. Uh, Genoa obviously behind them. Uh, there was some speculation that just because Genoa had appointed a former Milan legend uh, to try and get them out of trouble, Samp might need a former Inter legend 
uh, in Deki Stankovic. But after talking to Stankovic, apparently um, it's re been revealed that, that they can't get him out of his contract in time. Um, so Roberto Diversa, the current coach, will have to stay on. So that must be great for Diversa's self-esteem um, going to the derby. And then in other wild Italian football news um, that, uh, let's say, doesn't involve Juventus, uh, for example, have been in the news themselves over the last week, Salernitana. Remember, at the start of the season, we brought you news that they'd got promoted. Isn't that great? Hang on. They're also owned by Lazio's uh, president, Claudio Lotito, and Italian Football Federation rules says, say that you can't own more than one club in the same league. Um, so uh, they were put in a trust and put up for sale. Uh, and basically the deadline for them to find another owner was last night mm, at midnight, The second James. deadline, because the first one, they had no offers at all by mid-November. That was miserable. Well, apparently they do have two offers right. um, at this moment, James. Um, one is uh, from a, a Roman consortium. Right. A Roman consortium, eh? That's... Will, they, will they fetch as much as uh, Sylvester Stallone's trunks? That's my question. <laughs> yeah, well, bit, fingers crossed. In order to stay up, yeah, mm. I mean, they are on the ropes in Syria, let's nice. say. Um, and, mm. um, yeah, they really need to come out swinging if they want to stay up. So we'll Nicely see. Nicely done. Anything else anybody wants to talk about? Well, I love that Stefan Jovetic's goal for Elta Berlin this weekend, and especially because he has now scored in all the big five leagues because he played in France, played yep. in, in Italy, of course, Germany, yep. in England, yep. and in Spain, and scored for everyone. And there's only one other player who scored in those big five leagues. And only one other player who's scored in France, Germany, Spain, Italy, and England. Yeah, who is he? Yeah, I think Horny knows. It was quite a long time ago, well, not a long time ago, but like in the 90s. Yeah. Kind of thing. Brescia, Milan, West Ham. Was it mm. Bordeaux? Was yeah. he at Bordeaux? No, Monaco, I think, as well. Like Jovetic. There you go. Where was he in Spain and Germany? He played for his country. So he Stuttgart Kickers. Energy Cottbus. Romanian striker, Florin Raducoyu. Raducoyu, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. All right, then. Excellent. I think that wraps it up, then, for this edition of the show. Many thanks, listener, for being with us right through to the end. And I do hope you'll be back again next Tuesday when we return. Of course, by then we'll know all the Champions League and Europa League last 16 sides, except for the ones that have got to go into playoffs. Uh, and there'll be loads of other things to talk about. Uh, for now, many, many thanks to Jules, James... Alvaro and Rafa and producer Charlie have a great week and we'll speak to you soon you've been listening to the Totally Football Show part of the Athletic Podcast Network listen ad free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally the Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by Paddy Power The Athletic.